Good morning. Never done, are you? <laughs> well, this morning, <laughs> get out of here. This morning I'm talking about how the devil is relentlessly a pest. Don't read anything into that. Now we are this morning uh, wrapping up at least a portion of this series. Bill's going to close things out as far as the book of Ephesians next week. But this morning we're wrapping up our look at the, the armor of God, the individual uh, pieces of armor that God gave us <clears throat> to, to live, <clears throat> to do life, to, uh, to have victory and to defend ourselves with. And as we look at this armor, I want to tell you that if you're taking it lightly, if you're thinking, oh, that's a nice story, if you're thinking that's a nice, that's kind of a good analogy and, and all of that, and you're not really looking at what it's saying, you're going to get hit. You see, we live in a kingdom of darkness. This world is not functioning by design. <clears throat> we have a ruler now who is not mankind inspired by the Spirit of God. In the garden, that authority was usurped. Satan's now the ruler of wickedness from the heavenly places. This is a kingdom of darkness, and if you don't believe it, just step outside the door. Just look at what's going on in the world. Look at the battle that wages in your own life, and you'll begin to see that, you know, this is real. It is totally real. But as the Word says, it's not a battle that we necessarily see. Sometimes we see the result of it. Sometimes we experience the consequences of it. But it's a battle that takes place in the spiritual realm. And it's a very real battle. If we don't pay attention to it, we are going to get hurt. And in getting hurt, the people we love will get hurt also. And so I want us to pay attention. I'm going to read this one more time. Because really, as far as day-to-day -day living, you know me well enough to know that pretty much all of my sermons come back to the same thing. It comes back to the practical application of living life as a redeemed person. As a person who is a new creation as a person who has everything they need for the battle that's in front of them, for the life that, they're, that they get to live if they're walking in truth. Every one of my messages pretty much hinges on the goodness of God shared with us, his children, and the application of of, of the goodness of God, how as we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to Him, 
holy and acceptable, which is who we are. For the reasonable service of, of serving, the, re, the purpose of serving others. When we do that, that's worship to God and it's living normal. It's the abundant life. So the practical application here of the armor of God is what Paul's gotten to throughout the, his entire letter. Because if you recall, we started off in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Paul was emphasizing to the believers, to the church at Ephesus, to you and to me, people who have, who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. He, was, he, he just constantly was reminding them. He was, he was telling them who they are. New creations, children of God, royal priesthoods, holy nations, ambassadors of Christ, more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The truth about a person's identity born again. He told about the promises. Everything that, that God gives us. Then he turned it to the practical application of life. What should this look like? What does one's life appear like when they're under the influence of the Holy Spirit? The changes that are made from living as a, a fleshly, self-centered, self-sufficient, self-defending uh, person to a person who truly believes that with the Holy Spirit of God present within them, they have so much to give. The change that a, a liar quits lying and tells truth. The, the, the change that a thief quits stealing and, and works to give. The practical application, we see Paul saying there, there is a real change when you believe. When you walk by faith, because trust me, we're never going to feel like it or rarely feel like it. But by faith we live it, then we feel like it. The, faith, the feelings follow the, the faith action. So that's what he's been doing, but he is as though to, to put an exclamation point on his letter, we get to the end, chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance 
and petition for all the saints. He tells us to be on the alert. Why? Because Satan is like a roaring lion. He prowls around looking for someone to devour. And he doesn't take vacations. He doesn't take holiday. He's on 24-7 because he hates you and he hates me. He hates everything about the world that God created and the abundance which he provides. And he wants to steal it from you. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's known as the devourer. He wants to, he wants to just waste everything that God gave. And he wants God's prize creation. You and I, his people. He wants them to experience frustration. He wants his created people to go to hell, separated from God for eternity. He hates you and me. And we're a real threat to him. Not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. We're a real threat to his kingdom of darkness because if you've ever walked into a dark room and turned on a light, you see the damage light does to darkness. It expels it. We're told in Matthew to let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works, the works of God, that they may give glory to God in heaven. Satan wants to put a bushel basket over you and I. He wants to snuff out that light. But that light is eternal. But we have the switch. We determine whether the light is on or whether it's off. That freedom of choice God gave to us. Do we want to believe him or do we want to trust our own knowledge? Do we want to express what we've eaten from the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of good and evil, or do we want to express the truth of who is truly good and who is truly righteous? We now have that ability because he's changed us. He's made us new. And we have to decide, are we going to walk by faith and believe it or not? But one thing that will never stop, as long as you're breathing, is the battle that wages against you. Satan wants you destroyed. He wants you tripping over yourself. And he's good, very good, at doing it. First of all, I want to remind you he has an advantage. He's smarter than you. Way smarter than me. He also has an advantage in every way that you struggle, he knows, because he helped you build it. All the ways you learned to walk according to your flesh, he was there to inspire that reasoning. All the ways that you satisfy, gratify, protect yourself, he gave you the idea for it. 
So he knows your weaknesses. He knows the chinks in your armor. And let me tell you, when the moment is right, he will nail you if you're not putting on your armor. So we get to this armor here. If you noticed everything that we've talked about so far in the armor, it's defensive. It's defensive because of the barrage, because of the flaming arrows, because of the, the lies. And remember where the battle is. It's not out here. It's not with flesh and blood, although Satan will use circumstances. He'll use people to attack us. But the battle for you and for me is in this space right here. Right between our ears. The battle is over truth and error. The battle is, is, is over how we interpret things. The battle is, is because if we interpret things poorly, if we trust a lie, we're going to activate our will on that lie and we're not going to declare the glory of God. So the battle is right here and I want to make it really clear. This is for you, Donovan. I'm going to sit down. I want you to know how the battle works. I've said it before, but some of you weren't here. And I'll say it again because you can't say it enough. The battle is right here in your mind because you've got two people speaking to you to interpret everything that goes on in this life. You've got the Spirit of God, which inspires your spirit, tells your spirit truth, and your spirit communicates that wisdom and truth of God to your mind. That's conviction. That's revelation. That's inspiration. It's how you know truth. And if you don't know the word, then you're handicapping yourself because God uses his word to guide you. You don't know how many times I'm just about to say something and all of a sudden a verse scrolls across my mind that says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may impart, the grace, impart grace to the hearer. And I shut up. Or I ignore it and hurt somebody. One of the two happens. But if I didn't know that verse, it wouldn't be there. You got to know the word of God. You have to. Because that's what the Holy Spirit draws from to instruct you, to guide you in the ways of righteousness. But the enemy also lies to you. And he doesn't speak with this garbly voice of, of, of satanic origin. No, he gives you a thought that sounds an awful lot like you. It's in first person singular. Sounds just like you. But you know, it says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the destruction of strongholds. We're destroying speculations in every lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If you stop and think about your thoughts, you'll see immediately where they're coming from. If they're not righteous, if they're not 
if they're not service-oriented, if there's no truth in it, you know right away it came from the enemy. It didn't come from you because your old self was crucified. You're a new creation, so it isn't your thought. He just disguised himself as you. He's been doing it your whole life. He's a liar. That's how he lies. He's not, it's not that we're possessed by the enemy. He just has access to your mind and mine. That's how he does battle. That is the battleground. A couple weeks ago, I preached on the belt of truth or the, the girdle of truth. Remember, it holds things up. It holds things together. It holds things on. And one of the things that a soldier's girdle or belt would, would uh, function as was a, a place for his, the sheath for his, his sword. Truth is the basis. It's what holds all the armor together. So we've got to know the Word of God. We're going to see in a minute that that's different than the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have to know, we have to have knowledge of who God is and what He's spoken. But in Ephesians 6.17, it says this, Take up the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you back up to verse 11, it says, Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. That word in the, in the Greek is methodia, where we get method. Literally, it means deceit or trickery. It's kind of the smoke and mirrors that the enemy uses to present something as something it's not. That's what, that's what Satan does, is he presents a mirage. He presents a, a falseness. Something looks good, but it's evil. It's a, it's a candy-coated strychnine rather than, than chocolate. That's what he does. That's how he works. So we've got to know the schemes that Satan uses against us. We're all different. We were raised in different places, in different homes. We have different weaknesses. And Satan knows how to exploit them. So that's his plan, to exploit your weakness. That's why we're to put on the helmet of truth. What does the helmet protect? your head or the helmet of salvation excuse me it protects your head you've got to know who salvation is remember in the Christmas story that you'll probably read in the next month at least probably in Luke chapter 2 remember there was a man named Simeon he was an old man and he went to the temple every day because he'd been told by the Spirit of God that he would not die till his eyes fell upon God's salvation, God's promise. And when Mary and Joseph brought the, the, the infant Jesus to the temple for dedication, he saw him and he said, My eyes have seen the glory of your salvation. Jesus is our salvation. That's who he is. He is God incarnate who came to deliver us from evil. 
He came to protect us and to provide us. And we can, we can debate, we can, we can wonder why this, why that, why, why did he do it this way? The reality is God loved you and me so much, he did what he did to come and provide to us what we needed. He chose to do it his way to confound the wise and leave us all with nothing but faith. A choice to believe. The helmet of salvation is Jesus Christ. We're to clothe ourselves. Remember, none of the armor is ours. It's his. Remember Steve talked about Saul and David and how Saul offered David his armor and it didn't fit. He went into battle with God as his armor. And he won against a giant with nothing but his own resources and God's direction and God's strength. This is God's armor that's perfectly fit for you. This is, this is Christ clothing you with himself and it fits you perfect. You put on the helmet of salvation, clothed with Christ. And I want to tell you one of the greatest schemes of the devil is to make you believe you're not saved. Let me read you something. You wrestle with it because I don't know where you're coming from theologically. However, I do know this. When I work with people, one of the greatest, one of the most common struggles they have is because they've tripped up somewhere, because they consistently do this, because they have a habit or, or they, they're trying to, to wrestle with things uh, in their own strength and thus they fail, they start to doubt whether they're saved. They hide from God because they're embarrassed, because they're shameful. And they start to question whether this, this salvation experience was real or not. Satan loves that. You know why? Because all of a sudden, we quit focusing on what God's doing, and we start focusing on ourselves and our dilemma, our place. Why, why do I do this? Why, you know, God, what do you think of me? Oh, I'm such a loser. And our focus goes from outward where it's supposed to be to inward to self. And all of a sudden, we're, again, self-centered. And the light goes out. Not because it's gone, but because we've just put a bushel basket over it. Because we're not walking in truth. Let me read you something. In a fee, or excuse me, in 1 John chapter 5. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal means never ending. So if you prayed to receive Christ, you have the Son, which means it's eternal life. If you went out and you did something whereby you lost it, then it wasn't eternal, was it? It had a shelf life. 
you need to know brothers and sisters that you're clothed with Christ you have an enemy and he will try to make you believe you're not clothed with, clothed with Christ because then he can destroy you I watch it nearly every day he's a liar and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him goes on to say this and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and I thought this was rather interesting here this is our offensive weapon but a sword is also defensive you know if you ever watch Princess Bride they had quite a sword fight in there love that movie uh, I quote that movie often in my office uh, just for my own humor but uh, a sword blocks attacks but it's also deadly it's the only offensive weapon you get of course prayer is offensive uh, in nature too uh, Bill's going to talk about that next week but as far as the description of armor the Word of God is your sword remember it's sheathed by truth and when it's out of its sheath it's different than what you think it is I expected I looked up the word and and uh, where it says the Word of God I expected the word part of that to be logos which is Christ remember uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God well that word is logos that's not this word this word is uh, Rima Rima and it means that which is or has been uttered by a living voice things spoken any sound produced by the voice and having definite meaning speech discourse what one has said it's truth proclaimed it's your lips moving stating what is true and I'm going to tell you about spiritual warfare it's not this ooey ooey outer space type involvement if you don't know how to do spiritual warfare you're getting beat you're struggling spiritual warfare is proclaiming truth to yourself and to your enemy that's how you win that's how you do battle it's having the knowledge of the Word of God but it's actually declaring it it emboldens your faith it reminds you of what's true it reminds you of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God who is your victor it's his sword it's not yours he it is the sword of the Spirit who dwells within you it's you making yourself available to God to do his battle and he wins every single time he will never be defeated he's won the victory already and all we have to do is claim it remember we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus 
We win. We win when we don't forget. We win when we claim the victory. But we've got to speak it. When I'm under attack, and trust me, believe me, I don't win all the time. I don't. I listen to lies. I don't take thoughts captive sometimes. I, I, let, I let lies resonate. They, they, they ring in my head, and, I, and I, I activate my will on them, and I sin. I do. Daily. Ask my wife. She'll verify it. But the scripture says, though a righteous man falls seven times, seven times he gets up. But when I win, it's not because I win. It's because I claim the victory that Jesus has won for me. And when I'm under attack and I recognize it, I speak truth audibly. I come against the spiritual forces of wickedness that are in the heavenly places that are assigned to defeat me and to destroy me and my witness. And I tell Satan to get out of here. And you know what? He has to go because I proclaim it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I turn my feet and go a different direction. If I don't, I fall. That's the battle. And what God is doing is he's maturing us to where that becomes our first nature because it's our only nature. We're so used to tripping over ourselves, tripping over lies. But God says you're a new self. You have a new self. Walk in accordance to the truth of that. I will lift you up. I will empower you. I will be your your guide. I will be your eyes. I will be your strength. I will be your wisdom. I will be your all in all. And one of the lies, the, one of the biggest lies that people believe is that walking with God isn't any fun. That it's stuffy, that it's preachy, that it's, that it's religious, it's conforming to be like everybody else who, who's all religious. And I'm here to tell you, that's a lie. It's a lie. God is a lot of fun. He invented it, by the way. God is into relationships which nourish and enrich us. So Satan is after the relationships to destroy him. God created paradise for his people to live in. It wasn't a bunch of rules to follow. It was freedom to be enjoyed. And when you're walking with God, standing firm, you're going to be doing everyday life, and it's going to bring joy. It's going to bring fulfillment. You're going to be at peace. You'll be content. Oh, there will be stuff going on around you. There will be, there will be casualties all around you <coughs> that you'll have the ability to serve. But you don't have to be a casualty. That's the awesome thing. You don't have to be a casualty. Remember Satan's <clears throat> plan. His uh, mode of operation hasn't changed. In 1 John, we're also told that everything that is of the world, 
the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life is not from God, but from the devil. Remember what Satan used in the garden with Eve? Genesis, what, 3, 6? Look what he told her. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was a delight to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, boastful pride of life. You know what? It hasn't changed. He just has more trees. He just has more ways to deceive you into believing that your way is better than God's way. That's all it amounts to. But the trees look pretty good because we initially thought that's where life was. But the tree of life now lives within you. Jesus was tempted as we were tempted. Same way. And I want to close with showing you how that battle was won. It's in Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 4. familiar story. It's when Jesus had fasted for 40 days. He was weak. He was hungry. Satan came to him in his weakness. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, we tend to get in our mind that Satan pulled up a rock and sat down next to him and said, hey, little hungry? You know, here's an idea. Why don't you, you're God. Why don't you turn that into, into bread? That's not how it worked. He was tempted in the same way as you and I are tempted. He gave Jesus, who was human, he gave Jesus a thought. I'm God. I can do that. I can turn this stone into bread. I'm hungry. That's how it works. And you'll see in the temptation, it was the same thing. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and boastful pride of life. And Satan even took scripture and twisted it to make it sound like it was from God. But Jesus, the truth, the one who wrote the book, he answered with scripture and he didn't just think it. In all instances, he sa it says, but he answered and said, it is written. In verse 4. In verse 7, Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Go, Satan. He did spiritual warfare the same way you and I have to do spiritual warfare. He took the sword of the Spirit of the living God who dwelt within him, which is what we're going to celebrate here in a month. The living God coming down from heaven as a man indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God to show us how to do battle. To show us how to live victoriously. To take away the sin of the world so that he could indwell us again with his spirit and we're clothed in him if you're a child of the Most High God. If you have said yes to that invitation of God for a relationship, then you have everything you need for this battle. Don't forget it. And please use it. Because if you don't, you'll get hit. And you'll get hit hard. And it won't be the, just you that gets hurt. 
everybody who loves you will get hurt with you. We have what we need. Let's use it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are and what you've given us. Thank you that your word is truth. Your word is life. You want us to live. You want us to have life and life abundantly. I pray, Father, that we trust you for that. I pray that we are a people who does warfare the way you designed it to be done. That we fight the battle not in our own strength, but allowing you, by your word, by your power, to do the battle through us. And we get to participate and we get to see our faith grow as we see that you win every time. So, Father, we just pray that our eyes would be more clearly focused on truth and subsequently the battle that wages around us. You said to set our mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And I know that's because that's where the battle is. And you want us to be aware of the battle. So, Father, help us. Father, remind us. And Father, protect us. We give you thanks for that in Jesus' name.